Bloody Elbow presents the Level Change Podcast, a combat sports variety show that brings you analysis, fight breakdowns, and insightful discussion of MMA's biggest headlines. Here are your hosts, Steffi Haynes and Victor Rodriguez. Welcome back, and thank you for listening to episode 195 of the Level Change Podcast. I'm Steffi Haynes, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host, the amazing Victor Rodriguez. And today we'll be discussing the storylines from Bellator 285, Dana White's admission of, of chauvinism towards women's MMA in the beginning, as well as his recent revelation of his death date, and we'll be checking out other notable moments from combat sports as well. Now, Victor, we are heading into week two of back-to-back weekends without a UFC. So how are you holding up? I'm doing amazing. I love the peace of mind. I think this is great. I think we need more of it. I I think that in some way we should probably have, I don't want to say that maybe there ought to be like an off-season necessarily, but breaks like this should probably be more frequent to avoid burnout and also to avoid that same sort of rush and clutter that happens with fighters, you know, just probably taking fights they shouldn't and stuff like that. This is nice. I like this. And Bellator, I, I said this earlier, but man, they, they had they had a pretty crazy card this past weekend. Uh, the, the the prelims alone were worth uh, definitely watching. And the main card had some highlights. It had some pretty fun stuff. But the prelims, man, that's really where the action was at. Indeed. And that's that's going to be where we go with our first topic is Bellator. There were some interesting storylines, but I think the most interesting is that my dumbass picked Peter Queeley. What was I thinking? <laughs> I I didn't want to give you any grief over this, but you know, I mean, <laughs> I, I'm I'm not sure why. Yeah, you, you you probably shouldn't have done that. I really shouldn't have, but you know, once again, I have proven that there is only one Victor Rodriguez, and I don't oh, get those, those lucky breaks when I uh, go well against the grain, that's for sure. Let's talk about Bendo for a second here. Now, there was, a, I believe, a low blow happening in there, but mm. he basically gave him a demoralizing beating. I mean, he was beating him up like he was standing still. Yeah, it almost seemed like there was, you know, like, I don't want to say personal, but after he basically kicked the field goal with the dude's nuts that sent him to Jupiter, he uh, he he managed to continue the methodical. And look, Queeley, to his credit, man, he not only did he hang tough, he gave him some really mm-hmm. rough licks. Uh, he defended some takedowns pretty well, but then once he couldn't, that was it, mm-hmm. man. That was it. And there's just there's there's different degrees to how this thing goes stylistically. This is exactly what we should have expected to happen, and it was what it was. I mean, they're really. Really wasn't much else to it other than that. There, when they say there are levels to this game, this is the fight they meant. Yeah, and I mean, I, I, I don't. Again, I don't want to give you too much of a hard time for picking Quilly because I mean, we, we, even I expressed a lot of hesitation because of the fact that we don't know what Benson Henderson was going to look like out there and how out of. Uh, I guess how distant his current form is from what he was in his prime, because we have to admit he's no longer in his prime. And so, you know, with that and the bad losses and how he's looked in some of his outings in Bellator, it's like, yeah, man, I can see why someone would, would think that, but no, it is what it is. I do wish that Bellator would invest in some other commentary because I freaking cannot stand 
John McCarthy's commentary, and then they paired him up with Dave Farrar. And when John McCarthy is not comfortable with his partner, it shows. It it takes him from being bad to being absolutely unlistenable, yeah. intolerable. It was terrible yeah. commentary. Yeah, it was. It, there were some lulls that felt a little out of place there, where they probably could have filled in with with a bit more insight, and it didn't seem like that was happening at all. Uh, but I will say this. The atmosphere of Irish Bellator cards is insane. I love it. That yeah. is exactly what you want in a crowd. Yeah, I mean that is true. And these these crowds have been rabid. Um and they had they had good reason to be. Again, the prelims, they had some really good action there and the locals uh, certainly represented uh, Brian Moore fight or Carl Moore fighting uh Carl Albrechtson. Uh, that was that was an insane comeback, and to have that happen in your home on home turf, man. Listen, that's that's exactly what these people show up for, and and where they excel. Kieran Clark defeating uh, Rafael Hudson or Rafael Hudson. That was also gnarly too. That was a good sub. Mm. Um, but we we got to talk about something here. We got to talk about Yoel Romero retiring Melvin Manhoof and. Uh, my goodness. Romero and his dog barking at me rolling. <laughs> Just let him stay on the mic for however long he wants. Just let him do what he wants because it's highly entertaining. He was biting the cage. Did you see that boy? Yes. He is wild. <sighs> I okay. I I all right. I, I'm just you know. I, there's something about you know Hispanic men over a certain age. You just I, you know. I, I've in my experience, I, I just let it go. All right. All right. Okay. That's over. That that's what we're doing now. Let's go. Oh goodness gracious! And then we have Liam McCourt getting that unanimous decision over Diana Silva, and that's something we all thought would happen, and it did. Uh, did you have any? specific takeaways from this fight because for me it just kind of happened yeah I didn't, nothing really nothing really was was shining out of that leah looked uh yeah she did look a little crisper commentary was was good at highlighting that and silva gave her what she could and that was that i mean it was it was there not every one of these fights is going to be hollywood it's what it is this is true and then the final fight that we picked and this one was really upsetting to me because we all picked Mads Brunel and with good reason, you know, because they paired him up with Pedro Car Carvalho and, and it should have been a, a fight that most reasonable people would have picked Mads Brunel, but it was like he forgot what the hell a jab was or how to defend one. I mean, I don't know what he was doing in there. I mean, God, I'm speechless here. What the hell? Yeah, that was a... I mean, look, I I, I got to credit Pedro there. I mean, he went yeah. smart. He attacked the body. He uh, was able to get the uh, proper timing to defend the takedowns and really work his counters. So that was the name of the game there. Once he was able to find uh, what was uh, – get a good read on Brunel and his movement and, and really um, frustrate him from there and, and, again, really just work his uh, his energy reserves, that was the move. He fought smart and he earned that and that was good. Good for him. All right, so that's going to wrap up our Bellator commentary. But I did want to sneak a little surprise thing in. How cool was the Ryzen card? And, oh my goodness, we'll get to Jizzy later, but Floyd and um, Asakura, my God, what was going on there? 
I didn't see I didn't see all of it. I I only saw little bits and pieces. I I haven't had a chance to watch the whole thing yet. Um, Yeah, I I I saw that uh, I saw that Horiguchi got dropped, and then he came back with an insane uh, uh, comeback finish. And uh, yeah, that's Japan for you, man. This is why we tune in. This is what we look for. This is what we want. Just absolute chaos. And sometimes that's what you're going to get. And it worked, and it happened. Um, Floyd took this hellacious shot right before he, he finished off the guy. And to me, it, it just reminded me a little bit of when Connor landed a good one on him. And then in the next sequence, Floyd put him away. Same exact thing here. So our first real news topic is going to be about Bobby Green. And the title of this from our own bloody elbow is I'm crushed. Bobby Green reveals drug test failure led to UFC 276 fight cancellation. And I'll tell you something. When I read that headline, I thought to myself, you know what? I believe Bobby. I haven't even read the story, but I believe him because he just strikes me as a guy that would take great pride and a sense of achievement and beating the hell out of someone the natural way, no gear involved. So when he, he says he was crushed and he unknowingly took something. I, I kind of believe him. I'm going to quote from his 36-minute video to Instagram that he posted on a Friday where he revealed that USADA notified him that he tested positive for a banned substance. Now, the notification surprised Green because he has only used all-natural supplements or so he thought. Upon the recommendation of a doctor on YouTube, he purchased and began consuming a supplement known as DHEA, which is on the banned substance list. And I quote, I'm training now. I'm getting ready for my fight. I'm getting ready to fight Jim Miller. They call me and go, hey, what have you been taking? You tested positive for testosterone. I'm like, what? What? In 20 years, I've never tested positive for anything. In 20 years of my sport. What do you mean? So I say, hey, come back, take all the pictures, show them all the all those bottles. They go, hey, it's that one right there, DHEA. That's a banned substance on our list. And you're now in failure and the fight is off. A week before the fight, I am crushed. Now, USADA has DHEA listed as a prohibited anabolic agent in sport. Green admitted he did not know this because he has never visited the website where athletes can research their supplements and find out whether they are banned both in and out of competition. He said, I would never try to cheat. I would never try to lie to my public. I'm, a, I'm against drugs. I'm against PEDs. I would never even think about those things. I've never even looked at the site to know what is banned and what is not. I don't give a fuck because I don't pay attention to drugs. That's not my issue. I do want to let you guys know that it's not USADA's fault. It's my fault. I fucked up and I take responsibility. I was a jackass. I'm the one that made the mistake. I take all the responsibility. And that right there, that tells me that he did this inadvertently. He took all the responsibility. He says it over and over again. There's a lot of guys out there where I would give the side eye to if they had this same similar situation. 
I don't, I don't feel that way about Bobby Green. I feel like I said earlier, he would take great pride in beating your ass clean and pure. Victor, what do you think of this? Much like you, my reaction was, well, look, man, Bobby's not a guy who's had a history of lying or anything like that. He's been pretty consistent with his story with a lot of things. His opinion may be a bit flawed when it comes to certain reactions, but this kind of deal, like, yeah, I guess I guess I do believe him. Now, much like um, I, I understand there's a lot of people that have um, their own concerns and consternations when it comes to drug use and stuff like that. I personally, I, I don't. I don't have that same worry. That's just me. Um, again, as long as you're not doing any long-term damage, I'm not super bothered by it. But I would be, and I am, in fact, bothered by the fact that we've seen so many problems with USADA. We've seen how much of a nuisance the implementation of this system has been and how, in some cases, we've seen fighters that should be exonerated not get that or you know, unfair um uh, treatment, you know, haranguing people like the the Costa uh, uh, weigh-in day testing thing, like things like that, you know, not notifying someone properly, refusing to identify. Like USADA's got a lot of holes in it. When you add that to the fact that Bobby's got a reputation for being a straight shooter, and we've seen dumb stuff like this happen in the past, well, yeah. Yeah, I get it. And he says that, well, yeah, I didn't check the site. Yeah, I, I believe that too. Sometimes you got a, a lot, most fighters are not exactly on top of doing their due diligence and figuring out what is on the list, what is not, what they uh, perhaps should be keeping tabs on. And you get a sponsor or you get, uh, you know, a, a teammate or friend that's got the hookup for some supplements that'll help you out. And, hey, you, you don't think anything of it. You don't realize what's in it. I mean, geez, you know how much stuff I took from GNC that I'd buy at GNC that – I have no idea what was in it. I mean, there was probably some stuff in there that had I continued to take, it would have me sprout a fifth or sixth nipple. I, I have no clue. So as far as this deal with, with Bobby, I, I get it. And I just feel bad for the guy, man. I mean, he had something of a feel-good story. He was red hot coming into this fight with Makachev. Uh, he was behind the eight ball, but he still went in there anyway. And he took his beating like a champ, even though, you know, he, he thought maybe, just maybe I might break through. And now this happens when he's about to fight Miller, not only de denying us a, a stellar fight, a great matchup in its own right. But, no, man, I mean, damn, dude, these guys, they don't they don't fight. They don't get paid. So now he's got to sit and wait. That's just that's just a real bummer, dude. It really, really is. Mm. But that's that's what happens. Yeah, it is. It is. And, you know, look, these are obviously things that at least are not affecting Bobby's health, at least he's not in a, a bad situation. It could always be worse. But we're going to maintain that running theme of health as we address our next subject, which is the one and only Dana White, who had an absolute jaw dropper this week. And he had an interview with Carrie Kasem, who is, yes, the daughter of Casey Kasem, which I... I mean, hey, you know, nepotism runs large in entertainment. Good stuff. So they were out there and having a conversation about a variety of things. But the subject turned to somebody by the name of Gary Brecka. If you're not familiar with that name, well, I want you to make note here. We're going to get to him in a moment. This is what Dana had to say, right? <laughs> this was the 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 uh, situation that he was in not too long ago. Quote, so this guy can take your blood and your DNA and tell you when you're going to die. Yeah, yeah, he really said that. Yeah, we're going to keep going. And he's right within a month. 
How crazy is that? So I was fucking obsessed. I had to know. So he's down in Miami. So I become fucking obsessed with finding out the month I'm going to die. We're down there for my son's 21st birthday party in Miami. I connect with this guy and they come in and do my blood work and they scrape the inside of your cheek to do your DNA. And I'm going to find out it's a Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. We're down there. The following Wednesday is when my results are supposed to be back. So he calls me. All I'm talking about is finding out this date. And he says, I f- I'm going to come out personally and walk you through this blood work. And I'm like, motherfucker, I wanted to know today when this was going to happen. So he ends up coming out. He sits there for three and a half hours and goes through my blood work. And I'm all fucked up. My triglycerides are like 764. It should be down between 80 and 150. <laughs> and everything else that could possibly be bad is bad. He gave me 10.4 years to live. This was 16 weeks ago. And he says, if you don't change these things that you're going to do, this is your life expectancy right now. He keeps going. He talks about how he went on a diet and he's trying to like, you know, modify a couple of things, try to try to, uh, uh, you know, beat that date, right? Avoid that trajectory that he was on. And then he goes on to say this. First of all, the thing that freaked me out the most was he did my blood work. I didn't tell this guy jack shit about me, my medical history, what was going on with me personally. He told me everything that was wrong with me. Shit that I didn't even tell my wife. Told me what was wrong with me. Told me everything that was wrong with me from my blood work. So he says, if you do what I tell you to do for the next 10 weeks, I promise you'll change your whole life. So I'm one of those people that said that if I set my mind to do something, I absolutely do it. So I did everything he said to the letter. I lost 30 pounds. My legs were so fucked up 13 weeks ago, I couldn't tie my shoes. I couldn't bend over to tie my shoes because my legs were fucked up. I could barely walk some days. He goes on to talk about sleep apnea, snoring, more problems with his legs, problems with his CPAP machine. And now finally he says that he feels like he's 35 years old again. Okay. I want to just note something here. And I want to thank our good friend, Luca Bourdon, the only uh, well, one of the few Frenchmen that I consider to be not just a, a to be not a pervert, but actually a rather fine gentleman. I don't have much space for many other French people. I'm sorry. France, take it up with somebody else, not me. Uh, he pointed out something here. This Gary Brecker guy, uh, he sells life insurance on the side, which he doesn't note on LinkedIn, by the way, on his profile. Secondly, he's not a doctor. He doesn't have any medical background whatsoever to speak of. And this 10.4 years estimate is absolute bullshit. Based on what? What medical procedure is there? What parameters would you utilize to make that prediction and how? With the variations that happen through nature and the way that people are and the fickle nature of how things can sway from one direction to the other when it comes to usual health concerns, doesn't this seem like, I don't know, maybe it's kind of bullshit, 10.4 years, a level of accuracy that even in an anime you wouldn't find this acceptable. This is so insanely childish. And this man is out here paying this dude God knows how many thousands of dollars to run his blood through a thing, to have his DNA harvested through a thing. I mean, the only the, the kindest thing I can think of that's happening here is that Breck is going around to rich people and selling their DNA to other even richer and weirder people. Other than that... <laughs> Other than that, how the hell is this supposed to function and work? Oh, wow, your legs feel better? You can tie your shoes now? Yeah, because you lost 30 pounds. You needed a guy to check your DNA and, 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 and run your blood work to tell you that? You really needed that to make that happen. Oh, sleep apnea. I'm not snowing no more. Yeah, you know how that happens? Through you weight loss. You know, yeah. <laughs> you, you know who had that happen not too long ago? Me, bitch. That's how I know. That's how I'm telling you that this is how it happens. Like... I, I, I can't even I don't even know why I'm getting so worked up about this, but it's like, OK, no, I'll tell you exactly why I've, I've just identified it right away. See, OK, 
do I mind seeing another rich guy, another clueless rich guy who was making his money fleecing other people and seeing him get fleeced in turn? No, I actually find that quite to be, you know, I find that ethical. I find that good. Okay. That's fine. You know, they say that thieves that steal from thieves don't have any forgiveness. No, I say, if anything, at worst, there's a treason towards a syndicate. But other than that, I really don't care. Uh, but this, this whole deal, man, you know, if it wasn't somebody who had a public platform, who had so many people listen to him, who had people who have, you know, given your exposure, when you have the kind of, of visibility that someone like a Dana White has, or like the same problems that Joe Rogan was going through with the pandemic, right? You have a responsibility to maybe not spread bullshit if you can avoid it. But there's a bit of a problem when you're so, so gullible and fall for shit like this. And that's just what ended up happening here. So I can't be too mad. Gary Brecker, get that paper, okay? If you want to collaborate and rip off some more rich people, I'm not a hard guy to talk to. I'm not a hard guy to find. All right, I don't care. I I, I got a wife, a kid, and a mortgage. I got to make this happen somehow. So let's go, Gary. <laughs> also, if you go to Gary Brecker's website, the first thing you see is I am responsible for treating world-famous Dana White. Oh, there you go. On his page. Achievement unlocked. (laughs) Yes, there you go. You you now now what you've done. Thank you, Dana White, for giving me your money, which I want to say is hard earned, but it's really not. But thank you for giving me your money for you to have the honor to now be part of my resume. How how, just how colossally fucking stupid this whole story is. (laughs) Also, let's not forget that Dana White is the same guy that went to Joe Rogan advice on when he got COVID and then took ivermectin. Well, okay. So I, I the one kind thing that I will say about that is that at least Dana was vaccinated. Well, Got to give him like a smidge of credit before I, before I, you know, like really hammer on the fact that, yeah, why would you go to the guy who's spreading more disinformation? Oh, he got you the monoclonal antibodies. Congratulations. Rich guys unite. You know how much that pre- treatment costs? That's thousands of dollars. That's not accessible to the average person. But, you know, I mean, you know, from if you're the guy who says, I don't give a shit about the coronavirus, then why'd you throw so much effort and money behind it? Same thing with Joe Rogan, right? He's like, oh, it's just it's just like the flu. It's not a big deal. It'll be over soon. And then what does he do in his video when he announces that? I threw the kitchen sink at it. Well, why'd you have to do that? What was the problem with that? What happened? I thought you were a big, strong, manly man, Mr. Butcher Guy. What happened? You know? Also, Dana needed this charlatan to run his lab work. His own doctors don't run his labs and tell him, hey, your triglycerides are through the roof. Ah, but those doctors don't run that cotton swab that they use for his cheek and uh, scrub it on a crystal ball to let him know if it's going to happen on Labor Day or if he's actually going to kick the bucket sometime around Purim. I'm not sure. Yeah. And yeah, that right there. Wouldn't that be amazing? Like, I'd rather I trust somebody like if you came at me and be like, listen, man, we're going to read your tea leaves, but you got to spit in the cup. And also also we're going to we're going to put some pop rocks in the cup and I'll tell you which Jewish holiday this is going to land on for you. Like, okay, you know what? I'd actually find a little bit more credence in that. Don't do this. It seems more legitimate because the guy's using blood and DNA. But really. Really, you don't think that if someone could predict that sort of thing, if there were more, uh, if this was as accurate a thing as this guy claims, there wouldn't be more people doing it. You wouldn't read about this in medical journals. You wouldn't have actual legitimate doctors. No, but these people, there, there comes a point where you have a certain amount of comfort and money 
where you feel, no, you know what? I've found the outside lane to bypass all these other inconveniences in life. I can do so here. And all you got to do is find somebody who will be a yes man, who will seem like minded enough. And they'll bilk you out of your money to give you the conclusions that you desire. And this is exactly what happened here. So good for him and losing the weight, but nothing else. One last thing before we move on. Do you think he's still going to be doing those fuck it Friday videos where he has someone create some crazy caloric rich dish for him to try out? Or do you think he's going to start going more with healthier options? Because I think that Dana White is just going to revert back to his old ways because I am reminded of a video. Uh, it must have been. I don't know, 2008, 2009, maybe even a little earlier than that. And he is talking in an interview, I want to say with Ariel Hawani, because back in those days, Ariel was about the only one besides John Morgan that was getting regular interviews with him. But he talked about <clears throat> how he couldn't eat what he wanted anymore, that he used to love Chinese food, but every time he ate Chinese food or any Asian food, that he would blow up and I quote, like a puffer fish because of all the sodium in it. And that, you know, his doctors have, had advised him to, to back off of the sodium. Now, what happened between then and now? You see what I'm yeah. saying? Yeah. I mean, look, I, I think I might have mentioned this before, you know, a couple of months ago. My doctor said, hey, man, you know, well, actually a couple of years ago, my previous doctor was like, look, I don't want to put you on medication, but I'm going to have to put you on medication if you don't get your cholesterol under control. What happened? I went to my new doctor. She tells me now, yeah, guess what? Your cholesterol is still high, but, you know, just watch it and you'll be OK. And guess what? It, it doesn't take much more than that. And it, it it's like we're sitting here lamenting and boohooing. Oh, man, I can't pick out like I used to anymore. Dude, you're in your 50s. You know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. do you want your prostate to get to the size of a Brunswick bowling ball? Yes or no? Do you want your heart to sputter out like a like a like a, a North Korean military transport jet? Do you want that to happen in your future? No, bitch. Then stop. Put it down. Pick up a celery stick. It's the way of this jungle, Simba. You'll be fine. <laughs> anyway, we're going to move on to another story that also, I guess, is somewhat upsetting and also involves Dana White, in which he was discussing a previous uh, interaction from years ago. Now, you might remember, for those of us old heads, back in 2011, when Ronda Rousey was tearing up the scene in Strike Force and women's MMA was great, gaining greater visibility, TMZ approached him, they caught him out in the streets of Los Angeles, and they asked him, hey, when can we expect seeing women in the UFC? And he laughed and he said, never. Nuh-uh, not going to happen. But something happened. He realized he saw the potential and the star power of one Ronda Rousey, decided to bring her into the UFC, grandfathered her to have the title, which, of course, she had earned due to her work in Strikeforce. So, I mean, that's fine. No, no one's upset at that. But it essentially ended up building the entire division around her. Not just the division, but really all of women's MMA for the UFC was exclusively the Bantamweight division. And, of course, we know that because there were a couple of people there, like, for example, Sheila Gaff, who was a 125er. Uh, there were people who probably should not have been fighting in that division but wanted a shot at being in the UFC. And, well, things grew from there. We saw the addition of the strawweight division, which was extraordinary. We saw the addition of women's featherweight to accommodate cyborg and of course that didn't go super great until cyborg ended up getting the title and now we have women's flyweight as well so yeah you could say that they've carved themselves a, a nice little niche there for the uh, women's divisions to thrive of course that's when they're being treated properly which is not always the case however 
Dana White was asked about that whole situation. Hey, man, you remember when you uh, said that you weren't going to have women there? Well, turns out he had something to say about that. Quote, so one of the things that you have to remember at the time, there's this very famous clip of me on TMZ. I'm getting out of a restaurant in L.A. and they're asking me, when are women going to fight in the UFC? And I look at the camera and I say, never. Hmm. At that time, I'm trying to get people to accept men fighting in the cage, right? So I went up to a fight in Northern California once where there was a horrible mismatch between women. And I was like, oh, my God. And listen, I'm not going to lie. There's a little bit of that being a man, a little chauvinistic in that. Women are pretty. Women are black. You don't want to see women get beat up. You don't want to see in a million years. I never saw this coming where these women would be so technical and so tough and so badass. I mean, the women that we have now in the UFC, there's a lot of things I saw coming, but I didn't see that one coming. That's for damn sure. But the thing that changed everything was I met Ronda Rousey. Ronda Rousey manifested all these things that have happened. And I have a, and I had a meeting with her one day. And halfway through the meeting, I'm like, holy shit, I think I'm going to do this. And I think she's the one to do it with. And thank God I was right. So, yeah, uh, it turns out that all you have to do is maybe sit down and talk to somebody and be like, hey, wait, <laughs> maybe, mm. maybe I've been ignoring <laughs> the entire thing here that could make us a ton of money. And that's exactly what happened. And it's nice that he was admitting that he was, number one, wrong, number two, a bit chauvinistic, as he put it, right? I mean, I get it. I understand how it's difficult for people to see women in that role. And I mean, there's a reason or part of the reason why women's boxing never really got much attention, or at least didn't get the same kind of um, the same kind of, of attention that it has now, where women are seen for the athletes that they are, and they don't necessarily have to be someone like a Mia St. John, who's certainly somewhat pretty, uh, or, or somebody who is, um, you know, uh, someone who has a, a, a certain intangibles maybe that are more palatable to the audience. It's not always very appealing to some people. So the segments of the population are still very set in their ways and they're not going to want to see women fight. And that's fine. But they're also never really going to be happy to see men fight. I mean, MMA may be somewhat more mainstream now, but there's a lot of people that still don't like it and find it to be incredibly abhorrent in terms of violence. So Maybe that was kind of a moot point from the beginning, but it's nice that he's able to look at this and say, yeah, not only was I wrong, but I took the opportunity to, hey, sit down, see somebody. And sure, his reasons weren't exactly altruistic. It was all a matter of business, but it's good that he came around on this. So am I being a little too optimistic for your taste, Steffi? Am I am I reading this accurately? What's your what's your position here on this whole deal? I kind of agree with you. I absolutely do. However, there's a couple of little points that I do want to make. And one of them is that in the interview, he talks about how big Rhonda was at the time and that when he sat down with her, that's when he realized it. But if she hadn't had such a following and hadn't been just enormously popular through Strike Force and through her Olympic run and been just a media darling, because in the beginning she was, I mean, I interviewed her myself multiple times. And I think that if it, if Rhonda hadn't been around, we would not have seen women in, in the UFC at all, maybe for another decade or so. I don't know that they would have done it for anyone because she has been, and I hate to use this term, but it's the truth. She has been, she was the Conor McGregor, of of women's MMA pretty much. And yeah. we probably wouldn't have seen women in the UFC without her. That is a given. We got to look back for a second because Gina Carano 
I mean, she was pretty big too, but not to the degree that Rhonda was. And they weren't even willing to to do it for Gina Carano, who at the time was just a darling and everybody loved her. And they used that little gif of her biting her lip repeatedly until it was worn out. And we we should have had MMA with her, with Cyborg, with Julie Kedzie the first time when she was when she was fighting in, in Strike Force and in Pro Elite and all of that, Elite XC. But we didn't get any of that. And so I think that Rhonda's popularity was the driving factor and not Rhonda herself. Yeah, I mean, that's that's the thing, right? I, I, I do have a bit of a problem with the myth making that takes place with the UFC when they talk about how they made Rhonda a star. Like, I'm yeah, Rhonda sorry. Rhonda was getting a lot of mainstream attention under the Strike Force banner. And had she not gotten that attention, she wouldn't have been on the UFC's radar. Mm -hmm. So it is it is a little, you know, it, it's more than just a little dishonest. It's very, it, it's 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 um, it's not true in terms of being factual, but it's also just like intellectually designed doesn't hold up. You know, it's just such a weird thing to uh, uh, to try to rewrite history with. It really is. Now we're going to move on to another of our news topics. It's our final news topic before we get into our other notable moments from combat sports. And I put this one last because I wanted to bookend it. The first topic was about um, performance enhancing drugs and suspensions, etc. And the last one that we're bookending is also that way. And that is welterweight striker. Elizu Zaleski is facing a one year suspension for a positive USADA drug test. Now per MMA fightings report weeks before his bout against Munir Lazez, which was scheduled for April 22nd, Capoeira tested positive for Osterine used for treating muscle wasting and osteoporosis. Now, in an interview with Agfight, Zaleski admits the, sus the substance was in his system, but claims he did not take it on purpose. And here again, after checking out his story and everything, I am inclined to believe him. And I quote from the interview, we were preparing to fight in April. This has been going on since then. I was using some custom-made supplements made in a compound pharmacy. I had been tested just 20 days before that, the week before my trip for the fight. I got the news that I was being suspended, that there was a contamination in this substance called Osterin in my system. We did another test on Monday, and it really was there. After that, we did some more, and nothing showed. It was proven that there was a tainted supplement, USADA is very strict, though, so I ended up getting a one-year suspension. I was harmed by other people. You trust a lab and end up being harmed. We understand the risk of working with such pharmacies, but I've always done this and never had any problems before. Since my jungle fight days, we do this because the pharmacy assures you you won't have any problems. That was the situation. It was very frustrating. I haven't been able to process this Ever since, I've always done everything by the book, never got any warnings from USADA. It's sad, unfortunately. Now, his last outing, Zaleski defeated Benoit Saint-Denis via unanimous decision back in October of 2021. 
as I said earlier, I, I'm sort of inclined to believe him, especially the part that he t tested clean just 20 days before that. Um, I doubt that he would risk taking anything so close to a fight. And further, people go to compound pharmacies because they don't want contamination. That's what they're all about. You go to a compound pharmacy because they custom make your supplements in, clean, in, an, in an environment that's supposed to be cleaned and then tested to make sure there's no residue, blah, blah, blah. That is why people go to compound pharmacies as opposed to getting supplements off the shelf that are more likely to be contaminated. But we had a similar similar situation, I believe. Was it with Junior Dos Santos that had the problem with the compound pharmacy? I want to I say think it, it was. Might have been. Um, I'll have to go back and research. But in any event, this is why you go to a compound pharmacy, and it's unfortunate, just like he said. But USADA is strict, and to your point, Victor, USADA is a plague. There is no other way around it. I mean, I get why the UFC wants them in theirs because they want to promote clean fights. But I think that USADA has been so problematic. I mean, for every good thing they do, there's three bad things that come from it. So I I honestly don't know what to think here other than I believe Zaleski. I believe him too. And again, I, I mean, there has to be something... There has to be, like, at some point, we, how far deep are we with this USADA thing? They're not going to change. They're really not. The only change we've seen now is them, I guess, what, not testing or not being as punitive for uh, for, for cannabis use. But that's about it. They, they're not going to budge on any of this other stuff. And all, all of it in pursuit of what? Who are they really catching that's doing anything egregious lately? I don't know. And maybe it's the fact that guys aren't – maybe they're smarter than the test or maybe they're really not using anything like that during the testing periods. But – it's starting to feel like it's more trouble than it's worth. And here we have another guy who, you know, for our own selfish reasons, it's unfortunate because he's a very exciting fighter and it would be nice to see him back in there as soon as possible. But then it's like, uh, like this, really? Like now you got to appeal, you got to pay some money, you got to make this whole thing happen. I don't know how that's going to work out, man. It's much like the Bobby Green situation. I really, really hope that they're able to resolve this as fast as they can. Indeed. Now we're going to move on to other notable moments from combat sports. And there's some good ones this week. We're going to start with Tom Hardy being an absolute Brazilian jujitsu badass. He is a four stripe purple, no four stripe blue belt, excuse me. Um, but I would hope that he gets his purple after this, but he defeated everyone in his division. So he submitted them all. He didn't just win on points and further, not a single person scored a point on him. Now, I saw in comments both on Twitter and on one of the other sites, it may have even been Bloody Elbow, that they were, they were like, oh, but that's England. It doesn't matter. That's London. It doesn't matter. Um, you know, <laughs> what? I, would, I would tend to agree with you if you were to say that this was a wrestling tournament. But lots and lots of good Brazil Brazilian jiu-jitsu artists reside in England, come from England. This guy is awesome, and he did it. He did it so quietly. He didn't go in there trying to, to command attention. As a matter of fact, he used his middle name rather than Tom Hardy. He used Edward Hardy. Um, he had a full beard. He did not create 
any fanfare whatsoever around it until after the matches, he just casually put up, you know, something on his Insta. But seriously, the guy is a badass. I love him because um, I think he's a good actor. He seems to be very unproblematic and he he participates in jujitsu. What is there not to like about this guy? What is it about what is it about British jiu-jitsu that's like supposed to be bad? I'm trying to figure this out. Thank they got you. great grapplers over. Like is something different? Like, come on, man. <laughs> it's the same art. It's the same art. And these guys travel to the US and people from here travel over there. Brazilians go there all the time. Asian people like, dude, the cross-pollination when it comes to grappling is so intense that it doesn't matter. Where is this whole idea of what oh they use the metric system, bro? Yeah, yeah. It's like uh, their their jujitsu isn't good enough because because they don't circumcise over there. Like, no, stop. Stop this. Stop this right now. Stop. That's not how any of this works at all. It's good on him. From, it's born from their lack of wrestling. And, and <sighs> that that stems from their high schools don't have um, implanted, embedded wrestling programs like yeah. the United States. It's, and same with their universities. But they are fast catching up. Make no mistake about that. Yeah, but what what Hardy's doing is nothing to do with with wrestling right, in the sense that people, like it's not pure wrestling. Right, and and I, there's right, I understand that. But what I'm saying is, I think that people's aversion to British uh, athletes it, it, right. in mixed martial arts, anyways, and in in combat sports, is born of that lack of wrestling. Yeah, you know, I, I I see that. And what what I want to point out is that is the absurdity of that, of the the way that the, those same people think about it that way. It's like, well, look at how many jujitsu guys have never wrestled before. Exactly. You know, I mean, it's just you know how many guys I've trained with that absolutely stomp me, and they've never wrestled a day in their lives. You know, but this is that's not what they're there for. It aids you very well. It helps you tremendously to have some uh, wrestling training in your back pocket. It, it can be uh, utilized utilized to great effect, and there's aspects of it that can be adjusted for submission grappling very uh, very gracefully, at least in terms of something that would accommodate the rule set for jujitsu. But you know, guy, I mean, come on. I'd love to roll with Tom. I, I think it would be uh it would be cool just to just not just to roll with him, but to actually I got a lot of questions to ask him. I just just the filming of the film Bronson. That I'd probably spend an hour asking him questions just about that movie alone and then ask him about how he does his bow and arrow choke. That's about it. Oh, but that is where his love of uh, Brazilian jiu-jitsu arose from. Yeah. He started training back then and then he got away from it a little bit, but his love and passion of it uh, was rekindled about three or four years ago. Um, and that's when he seriously took it up and has been very avid about it since then mm. competing frequently. But I'm also, let's, let's go back to this thing about Brazilian jiu-jitsu not being very popular, popular in London or in England or in Europe in general, but <laughs> Hodger Gracie lives in England and has his whole entire life and he has multiple studios there. So, and there's a lot of people like that, but Hodger is the most prominent figure I can think of off the top of my head who um, has a big presence there in the Brazilian jiu-jitsu community and here. So anyways, I just had to point that out. So our next one, and this one, I think they made a little more of this than they should have, but it was still really cool to see Glover Teixeira and Alex Pereira basically going hell for leather in a sparring session. And then they are, I guess the time had elapsed that they were supposed to be sparring. And so the, the guy in the middle is telling them, hey, 
that's time. And then they just keep going. So he had to kind of intervene, but it wasn't like they had bad blood going or anything. It just seemed they were in mode. What did you take from that? You know, I, I heard about it. People were talking about how it was like, oh my God, this intense party session, you got to see it. And I did. And I don't like, I wasn't, I don't want to say it was disappointed necessarily. Um, I don't know. I thought it was going to be worse. I thought it Me was going to be heavier. Especially when in the very title, fiery sparring session where they had to be separated. Oh my God. That was not, I, I, maybe the sparring session was a little fiery because they did look like they were going at it. Yeah. But it didn't look like bad blood. It didn't look like they, one had to be held back or they had to just jump into the middle and really put some effort into holding them away from each other. It was nothing like that. The guy put his hand in between and said, that's enough. And they, they just broke yeah. apart. They, they, they cool. complied immediately. And it was all, there wasn't any, didn't seem like no, there was any, they, 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 you know, they patted each other and everything. There was yes. nothing to it the way that they made it out. And yeah. sometimes, our own brethren are responsible for this because that came from MMA mania and that's our brethren. Mm -hmm. And I mean, it was like, you know, okay, they, they were going for it, but they just, it didn't, was, I, I was, don't know. I guess, I guess maybe my, my reaction to seeing other people talk about it you do, was what got me. You do do what the fuck, what the fight, you know, you're used to seeing the real shit. <laughs> I mean, I'm used to seeing sloppy shit too. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm used to seeing people throw, uh, launching shots at each other with, uh, with nothing but pure hatred. So yeah, that's, that's, uh, that's different, but this was, I mean, it was a controlled environment. It was cool, but it was my takeaway was, yeah, these cats are hungry. You know, I'm really looking forward to see what they've got next because this is, uh, you know, they, they, it, it wasn't, it wasn't like what I would expect to see on, you know, we've talked about meat day over at, at oh, hard yes. knocks, uh, AKA black zillions, right. It, it, it's, it didn't seem like that. So good. I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm glad that I was expecting to be bummed out. And in fact, I walked away pleasantly surprised. So, you know, if, if they're, as long as they're training smart and relatively safe, that's good. I would just hope that as the closer they get to their next fights, they sort to um, maybe you know, taper well, down you on mentioned that. that. And it makes me think now that they should have been wearing headgear because that's yeah. the whole problem with meat night is that they went full full contact sparring with no headgear. And mm -hmm. there's a reason why folks like Max Holloway, for instance, stop sparring because you take a lot of damage. We have no clue how much CTE could be incurred just in sparring sessions. They get knocked out all the time in sparring. Mm -hmm. And I hated seeing Glover without headgear on because they were going pretty hard. I hated seeing Alex Pajara going hard like that with no headgear because he's supposed to be fighting Izzy next. Glover's mm -hmm. supposed to be fighting Yuri next. Why would they risk it? But that said, it was kind of cool to see them going that hard. And I'll tell you what, Glover belies his age. He he might look his age, but he don't fight his age. I'm sorry. That man fights like he's 10 years younger than he is. I'd say 15, really. Mm -hmm. For real. And he's got pretty decent cardio. Yes, he gets tired towards the end. All of them do. All of them do. But he hangs in there. So that's that. Now, our yeah. final one. And I promised we would get to this. Jizzy gets slept. My goodness. How are you going to be a big-ass bodyguard for Floyd freaking Mayweather? 
and get slept by a dude that maybe weighs as much as one of your legs. Now, I do realize that the guy that knocked him out is a pro and probably could take out, oh, 85% of the normal population. And that shout out goes to our good buddy, Schwan Humes, who told me that. I have to snag it and put it out there into the environment, but I do want to credit him for that astute observation. But it's true. He probably could take out a lot of the population because he hits like a truck. But still, how are you going to be a bodyguard? Insist on a fight to get yourself some attention on the same car that your boss is on. And then not only get knocked out, face plant knocked out. Oh my goodness. He totally Ric Flared. I don't know what the rationale behind this was. There was a there was a presser where he was talking shit to the guy and the guy showed up with a Floyd Mayweather mask. So he's like taunting him. And say, you know, I, I was like, I, I don't want to I don't want to listen to this anymore. There is no real reason for this fight to have happened. He should not have inserted himself into the face off where he pushed Asakura away like that. It didn't. It didn't do anything for me. And just to see the bully get slept by a far more technical uh, fighter who's been doing this since God knows when, probably since he was like 12, you know, and, and just because you're a big burly dude who can hit hard doesn't mean that you are, uh, you know, uh, built to be a professional fighter. You, you're probably good at being a bodyguard. OK, good. You're congratulations. You're good at being a goon. Guess what? You know what? You're surrounded by a bunch of other goons. Anything pops off, there's like four or five dudes right there with you to stomp somebody out. So, I mean, look, any idea that somehow Floyd Mayweather was going to have a deadlier bodyguard than the average celebrity? I don't know where that, you know, like this is not this is not in any way, shape or form. Uh, I mean, it wasn't surprising to me. I'm just, you know, okay, yeah, sure. This is kind of what we've seen, right? You know, muscle versus technique. Okay, cool. They made it a custom rules bout so it wouldn't have to go to the ground. And yet... And yet. So that's what you get. Indeed. So that's pretty much the end of the show. I hope you guys have enjoyed it as much as we have sitting here bullshitting. (laughs) So on that note, we are going to wrap up. Do me a favor. Follow Victor on Twitter and Instagram. His Twitter is Vic M. Rodriguez and his Instagram is Victor Sinister Rodriguez. But we're going to have to change it to chef or something like that because you absolutely throw down in the kitchen. (laughs) Um, Follow Mookie on Twitter at Mookie Alexander and check his work out over at SB Nation's Field Goals site. And follow me on Twitter, Crooklyn MMA, the show at Level Change Pod. And we're also available on Facebook. That's facebook.com slash Level Change Podcast. Listen to our pre-recorded outro where Mookie will tell you all the places you can find this show and the other great Bloody Elbow Presents shows. So until next time, please stay safe. Thank you for tuning in to this Bloody Elbow Presents production. To check out more of our content, subscribe to our YouTube channel, which is titled Bloody Elbow Presents. We're also on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Spotify, TuneIn, Overcast, Player FM, and Amazon Music. Just search for Bloody Elbow Presents and you'll get brand new shows throughout the week, including Care Don't Care, the Level Change Podcast, the MMA Vivis Section, the Sixth Round Post Fight Show, 
Sixth round retro. The MMA depressed us. Crooklyn's Corner. Exclusive fighter interviews. Show money. Guest podcasts. The Hey Not The Face podcast. And radio style play-by-play for every UFC pay-per-view. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Bloody Elbow. Facebook at Facebook.com slash Bloody Elbow blog. And as always, on BloodyElbow.com.